Listening to the I Zombie podcast with Robin and Steph, a fan podcast about the CW show I Zombie. My name is Robin, and am I a podcaster? Maybe I am, because sometimes they just don't leave you any choice. My name is Stephanie Monkey Fighter. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, uh, we're back for the sixth episode of the season. We're nearly halfway done already. I cannot believe that. Next week it will be officially over halfway done because it's 13 episodes. Um, but uh, yeah, we're here for The Scratch Maker, uh, written by Joshua Levy and um, Prathi Srinivasan. Sorry, I'm sorry, Prathi. Oh, good luck with I'm that. so sorry. I'm the worst. I'm like, I'm, I am a dumb American, uh, mm-hmm. I, you know, Vermonter. I, I don't know how to pronounce things. Uh, but it is directed by Malcolm Goodwin, who uh, is a familiar name uh, to people who watch Eye Zombie. He is the he's the person that plays Clive Babineau. <laughs> but uh, yes, uh, this is also really really exciting for me um, to talk about this this episode and the next um, because this is the time when I was in Vancouver and. Mm. Uh, one of the scenes in this episode, I was pretty much off camera uh, watching a monitor and uh, with, e- with earphones on and, uh, and and watching it happen in front of – well, I was watching it on the monitor. It was kind of like around the corner kind of thing. Uh, That's awesome. We'll talk about it when we get there. But okay. Bob Dearden uh, actually said you know, on our teaser episode, this, this was kind of going to be a special episode, a different episode. And I thought it was just basically because Malcolm was going to be directing, but uh-huh. this is uh, this is from Blaine's point of view. Yeah, which is crazy. I was so excited when we, he started doing his voiceover. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I thought it was excellent. <laughs> right? Excellent. Yeah. I mean, and 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 the the story is is great. I love I love how this whole uh, episode worked. You know, if you thought you didn't have a lot of Blaine and Donnie in the first few episodes. I think mm-hmm. they were expecting this one to really give us a lot. Like we had like one Ravi scene maybe, <laughs> you know? Yeah. No Peyton. Um, but we we had a lot of Blaine and a lot of Donnie. Yeah. And like the scratch, the scratch breaker, the matchmaker brain. I mean, it was fine. Yeah. It was amusing. It was cute. But, uh, you know, <laughs> not not the point. Not, not the, the point, point no. of the episode. No. I, I, you know, I believe Blaine, like, even says that in his uh, voiceover. We'll, we'll get to it. I, I wrote my notes chronologically because it just—it's kind of a, a, a tale that you know. It's Blaine and Donnie's overall, um, with a little bit of uh, Liv and Ravi and Clive interwoven. So I figured we just kind of take it from the top and go right through. But uh, yeah, just a just a really cool story, and I, I think it was a. Um, directed well too. I, it definitely had a. It was funny because you know you're looking for something different with the episode because it's Malcolm Goodwin and it's not like you know your regular directors like Michael Whale or somebody you know. Uh, but it it definitely uh, helped to have like a different flavor behind the camera because it was such a different story. 
Mm-hmm. So I was excited about it for sure. Um, we start off. Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say there were like neat transitions in between scenes. Yeah. And uh, the music, like there, there was like a musical cue, which was like a noise or a sound that maybe wasn't music that right before the the credits, mm-hmm. right, right before the opening title part, that was very interesting. Mm. So we start with the opening chapter title, Dead Man Sulking, and we have Blaine staring <laughs> straight at us. Yeah, because talking. he had to go to jail. Yes. He had to go to jail. After it was really, you know, revealed that he killed all those teenagers mm-hmm. and that he's the, uh, you know, just all of that. Well, what confuses me is, uh, you know, and I think he's in jail mainly for um, the the murder of the mayor. Um, oh, oh, yeah, yeah. Because that's, you know, what got revealed with the mask and all that. But um, what was interesting to me was, you know, he's a zombie, yet he, he's not going to get pull, put into deep freeze like other Fillmore Grave. Yeah, he's going to human jail. He's going to human jail, yeah. Which is... You know, something that was, you know, it was something we were avoiding sending Blaine or Major to human jail because what if they run out of brains or live, you know, live, live and Major both ended up in human jail for a little while. Um, and, you know, it's a whole big conceit where nobody knew about zombies, so they didn't know that these, they needed brains to not turn into Romero's behind the bars. But I guess now that we know. About zombies that if a zombie is sent to human jail, they're provided with uh, brain tubes mm-hmm. to keep them from freaking out and scratching a bunch of people or just gnawing on somebody's head. <laughs> um, so, I, yeah, this is the first transition that I really loved. The, the transition of Blaine's face straight onto the camera and it fades out to the picketers and it's almost overlaid behind his face. Overlaid. Underlaid. Uh, the picket sign that says "Child Killer" in capital letters. I thought that was really great. Mm-hmm. Um, and he says, "Let's just admit it. We've all got a lot of uh, got a little monster in us." Um, and yeah, throughout this episode, I think Blaine is downplaying it to the audience, but I don't think we're supposed to buy it. <laughs> you know, and he's just you know he's coming up with excuses, but the way he's acting, you're really kind of rooting for Donnie in a way. You know, you're not really. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's Blaine is going to find a way to come out on top. Mm-hmm. He's going to find a way to not be victimized. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's like, and it's like, because he's, you know, the ultimate Ferris Bueller character. <laughs> it's, it's just going to turn out fine for him. Yes. He's got to be on top. He's got to be on top uh, or else he's just not happy. Uh, so we go to the scratching post and there is a wedding party at the scratching post, which makes me like, oh, like, well, why was this wedding party still like, why wasn't it canceled? I, <laughs> I have no idea. Well, I just took it that, uh, that Donnie is looking for any way to make money. Right. We will, we will use this as a wedding venue, whatever. Yeah. We just got to have some money. Yep. And I guess apparently, you know, we find out later that the groom, no, no, the bride is a zombie. And, uh, you know, that might be a place that she felt comfortable to party at. Mm. 
But yeah, poor Donnie. Donnie is looking miserable in this episode, and you can see yeah. why. I mean, just everything's falling apart, and uh, and he's left holding the bag. Um, so we have Carol Barbara uh, roll up, and uh, she's the matchmaker. She orders a sidecar. Do you know what a sidecar is? I was gonna look it up, yeah. but I forgot to. I didn't. I, I didn't know either, and I looked it up. It's cognac, orange liqueur with a with a splash of lemon juice. Oh. A, seems like a very sweet that's, drink. That sounds like a drink a baby boomer lady would drink. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Sounds like a girl drink to me. Uh, so uh, Carol analyzes Donnie after he kind of charms her by asking for her ID. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, it, oh, yeah. <laughs> I was going to say that could go bad because mm-hmm. I think I'm at the age where it's awkward and then but I'm sure she I, I'm sure it's funny to somebody her age yeah. yeah how much older do you think she is from us oh, I feel like not much <laughs> <laughs> so Carol says he's got like a unique fashion sense and then questions whether he likes boys or girls and he drops a glass and he's like, she's like oh girls I see for a second there, I was like, oh, they were questioning his sexuality for a second there. I was like, oh, this is interesting. I know. I was I was too. But so she was – he's awkward and goofy and mm-hmm. he must not do well with the ladies. No. And then she says she knows the perfect girl for him. And she – Oh, and his interest is piqued. Mm-hmm. And that's, of course, the groom's mother interrupts. Because you would think that – Oh, you would think that Donnie would have lots of ladies around, but they're, I guess they're just, just not his type. Yeah. He's just got a very specific, you know, doesn't want a party girl. Yeah. I, it sounds like he wants a girl to watch I, I One Tree Hill I was very interested. <laughs> yeah. I was very interested. And you know, that must have been a long time ago because that show was on forever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and. I was re- I was really hoping we would find out who the person was. <laughs> I want Donnie to have a love interest. I think it's still coming. I think it's still coming. We, we, we huh. keep talking about it as it goes on. But uh, Mrs. Schwartz here interrupts. Uh, she's the groom's mother. She complains about the picketers and says, Blaine DeBeard sounds like a monster. And then we get Blaine's voiceover and he says, am I a monster? Maybe I've crossed a few lines, but does that make me a monster? It's like, uh, Murdering a whole yeah. bunch of teenagers, uh, you know, streetwalkers, winos, um, shooting Lowell in the face. Um, I mean, I guess you could, yeah. I guess you could kind of see Lowell as self-defense, but it was pretty cold. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, yeah, he's done a share of murders. It, it, it's not like a, a few mistakes. It's. Uh, I just love how like Blaine is doing the typical villain thing where they see themselves completely justified. They they have they they're, they're flawed, you know. They're flawed. There's not that you know. Everybody's got flaws. Yeah. You might not wash the dishes what? enough. Me, I've murdered several, you know, dozens of teenagers to supply brains. Nobody thinks they're bad. No. So we go to. Uh, we're back in prison and Major is talking through the bars to Blaine and asking him. He's got needs the details for that brain smuggling operation. They have three days left before um, brains run out. 
And uh, Blaine wants out. He's tired of watching the same edited version of Snakes on a Plane over and over again. <laughs> and he calls Major a monkey fighter just to sh- prove that a uh, monkey fighter isn't that effective of an insult. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Other than the every, you know, the commercials every three minutes, I'm sure there are people who watch those edited movies, you know, ironically. Because they're ridiculous. <laughs> I don't know. You know, I, I've done like a movie fest. I've tried to go through some directors or series or something. And uh, there's that one you can't find on Netflix or whatever. And you're like, oh, mm-hmm. there's that cable version. <laughs> I, I've seen like if it's something I've seen before, I guess I don't mind it as much. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, if it's if I'm watching it for the first time, I'll be really irritated. And if it's full screen, mm-hmm. I'll just be like, nope, done. <laughs> mm-hmm. scan. And all those commercials. God. Oh, yeah. Well, that's the thing. You get you, you you get it on demand, so you can just fast forward to the commercials, or you DVR it. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, so Major's going to consider it. He leaves, and Blaine's voiceover continues, and he says, "Without monsters in the world, what would people have left to talk about? The murder of Carol Barbara, professional matchmaker. Seen it, but if you insist, and <laughs> we go to the work." <laughs> I thought that was interesting. You know, it's you, you think about Blaine as the person doing the voiceover. You're thinking about like how this voiceover is supposed to work. Is he journaling? <laughs> is are we expecting? Is, is it just him? It's just his inner monologue. Yeah, but he doesn't know anything about Carol Barbara. You know, it's as if he is like the omniscient uh, uh, storyteller. Oh, um, uh. you know, and. So I don't know. In 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 Liv's case, I feel like you know she, everything she um, does a voiceover about. It's her inner thoughts, and it has to do with something that she's directly um, a part of. But like, Blaine doesn't know anything about Carol Barbara. Um, but and, it, and it's almost like they wrote it like um, Blaine's just sitting next to us and watching Eye Zombie with us, and he's like, "All right, well, I guess we'll." I guess we'll watch the case part, but we really want to get back to me and my story. <laughs> mm. <laughs> but aren't like noirs like that? Mm. I don't know. I've never. I don't. I've never thought about it that deeply. Any noir that I've seen, it always seems like it's the detective telling the story. Like this is what happened to me, you know, when I met this dame on that sh- that fateful night. You know, uh, you know, any any that I can think of. It is, so it they is never have like knowledge that they shouldn't already have, unless it's something they've acquired afterwards. Mm-hmm. You know, so they can fill in the blanks of the story. Like I what just, I didn't know then was that she was duping me. You know, or something like that. I've just never thought about it <laughs> like that. It's just interesting. Uh, it's just interesting to think about. Like, uh, I like, I love the Blade voiceover, and I, I totally buy it. It doesn't really take me out of it too much. Um, but then I'm like, you know, if I think about it, I'm like, well, is he telling the story after? Is he telling us? Is this his thoughts in the prison? Um, but it, it, it's it's a meta thing because he's, you know, afterwards he's like, you know, you eat the brain, you find the clues, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> you know, um, solve the case. But this story, this isn't her story. It's mine. So I just love, I don't know. It's like a, he's like a little devil on our shoulder as we're watching I Zombie. <laughs> <laughs> it's 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 mm-hmm. unique. Uh, so in the morgue, Ravi is happy that Blaine. It's what unique, I think. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, 
in the morgue, uh, Ravi's happy Blaine's in jail rather than living off the living the high life off the money he made from the cures he stole. Ravi is really still bent out of shape about those cures being stolen from him and finding out about Blaine doing mm-hmm. it. And Liv says she doesn't mind that she didn't mind that he was out as long as zombies were fed. And uh, yeah, Lowell's ro- rolling in his grave. Um. <laughs> <laughs> He's a necessary evil. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. It just, I don't know. I feel like, I feel like Al Bronson, and it's sad, it's sad what we find out about Al Bronson, but Al Bronson seems to be the only one who's just like, this, this guy's got to pay for the evil that he's brought across, uh, upon the world. Whereas Ravi is kind of like, you know, bent out of shape because Blaine got one over on him, you know, probably because uh, the whole situation with Peyton. Uh, from before is got him feeling uh-huh. all bent out of shape in, uh, in yeah, comparison he's, to Blaine. He's biased against yeah. Blaine. And and Liv, I mean, I don't know. It's just the, all the teenage runaways and the, the and Lowell. And she's God. too. She's too. Uh, what's the word that means you don't care? Apathetic. Yeah. She's too apathetic about. The, she's accepted it, you know. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, Clive comes in. He find he said he found a red button at the crime scene, and Liv says, "Oh, that's interesting." And Blaine just immediately cuts it off and says, "No, it's not." <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Just like with Blaine in charge of the episode, you know, we're just gonna cut through the procedural nonsense and get to uh, some of the juicy stuff, you know. Uh. All right. So uh, the next chapter is murder. He gloats. Um, Basio and Kavanaugh um, bring Blaine in, and they're waiting for a search warrant to search his house because of uh, they want to get that mask that Al Bronson got a picture of. Oh yeah! And it's at this point that uh, Blaine is uh, confused because Basio's pregnant, but she had a vision of the mask. So how does that work? <laughs> oh, right. So, so uh, Blaine is finding out that you know. I mean, he was the one that had all the cures. She mm-hmm. she w- was a zombie when he had the cures. <laughs> so uh-huh. how is he's she discovering yeah. his cures are got have gotten out? Well, that and the Freilich brain, you know. Oh, oh, he realizes that there is more than just his. Yeah. Cures. Well, he got the news alert about the Freilich brain last last uh-huh. episode, so he knows about it, and now he's putting two and two together. Like, oh wait, so she didn't get one of my cures; she must have gotten one of those Freilich brains, and it works. Mm-hmm. Now, now she's mm-hmm. a human and she's pregnant, and he's going ching. Mm-hmm. So yes, our, our buddy Brant Stone walks in and says, "Shut your mouth! Don't speak!" Oh my God! Shut yes. your mouth! Uh, kicks him out, covers the cameras up, <laughs> and Blaine says he needs to get a message to Donnie. And uh, wait, but first we got to see if your uh, retainer cleared. <laughs> yes, it did. It did this time. <laughs> and the message is three hundred and sixty-five degrees, which I was confused about. I'm assuming I was too. I'm ass- I watched it a million times. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. and I, I, you know, I looked up the like the temperature of fire. And the temperature of fire is like 800-something degrees. So I couldn't quite figure out what, how that related. But maybe uh, we'll have some feedbackers that will let us know. 
Um, but I assume it's a message that says, like, Donnie, set fire to the house. Get rid of all the visits. <gasps> oh, you know? okay. Yeah. Turn the, the heat. The heat. Turn the heat up. <laughs> um, so we go back to Donnie And he is pleading ignorance To Major He's like it's brains blains man <laughs> Which is really funny yeah, That he makes I just that mistake work here. I don't make the decisions I just, just do what I told I love that he makes that mistake of this, It's brains blains Because I don't know how many times I have messed that up on the podcast myself oh. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Major offers Donnie the contract they made with Blaine, but Mr. Boss comes in with a scary henchman and says, gentlemen, let's make a deal. So we go to the next chapter, which is poker in the rear. Oh, boy. Good one. <laughs> and, yeah, we're kind of starting this whole poker metaphor. Uh, Stacey Boss is playing some poker. Oh, okay. And teaching everybody yeah. about poker. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, he talks about how hot it is in Bangladesh where he gets the brains. He says he procures, Donnie distributes, Blaine does jack. And I made a note. I was like, well, actually, he does blackmail the border patrol guards. So there's that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. He, he's pretty intimidating. Uh, so uh, Stacy Boss wants to be the boss. He tells Major he wants double of what Blaine was getting. Major says he'll think about it and he leaves. It's pretty good that um – Major doesn't intim- isn't is not intimidated by Stacy Boss mm-hmm. and he's not gonna let him Yeah. I love that he doesn't like jump right at it and like, you know completely like um shut it down even, or take it immediately. He's gotta think about yeah. it. Even though, you know, the the clock is ticking. We got right. forty eight hours. Right. Major is he's desperate, but he's not going to uh just give in right. to Stacy Boss. And, you know, little do they know, he's dropped a, a pen bug on the desk in front of them. Oh, yes. Classic Veronica Mars move. Yes. <laughs> but Vinny Van Lowe. Yes. But also, I mean, you remember when Major bugged Von de Clark's Fitbit? Uh, so he got information, you know, what, what uh. Vaughn was doing. So, um, so Donnie says he doesn't feel right about cutting Blaine out. He's still very loyal and he's wondering if Major is bluffing and Stacy says it's like poker. They have the winning hand so we, so we don't fold, you know? Meanwhile, outside, uh, Brantstone opens his trunk, grabs a picket sign and it says mad as hell and bellows his way through the crowd into the scratching post, <laughs> which is freaking hilarious. He's just like, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm mad as hell! I'm, not, I'm gonna come in there! <laughs> yeah, like He's just loud, but he's <laughs> nobody notices it because he's just one of the crowd. He just yep. he's blended into the crowd. <laughs> yeah. uh, and so Donnie, we go into the into the um, scratching post, and Donnie yells at Tanner. He said, "You know, can't run a bar with vermouth and this melon crap." And Tanner says that the payment didn't go through, um, so he didn't get more liquor. And Brant says that Blaine's assets are now frozen. He gives them the 365 degrees message and then eats the paper. <laughs> this is a scene I got to watch. I was – I'm like right around the corner. If you watch this episode during the scene. Really? I, I zombie podcaster, <laughs> super fan, am right around the corner from this scene with headphones on watching a monitor. 
Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Every single time, like I, you know, as soon as he started talking about the melon crap, I have totally remembered that. Um, it just stood out because he, they, they did this, this part of the scene like over and over and over again until he got it right. Or until he felt, until he felt was right. Malcolm was there directing. Um, and in the, in the scratching post was, uh, you know, Tanner, Donnie, and uh, Brant Stone. Uh-huh. And, yeah, it's funny. To the right of the bar, there is, like, a kind of, of a dark entrance where you, where you think that it kind of goes back to Blaine's office. Right. If you walk through there, it's actually Fillmore Graves. <laughs> oh. So I was literally standing in the entrance to Major's office, like the little lobby in front of Major's mm-hmm. office, and they had all these monitors set up and like candy dishes and just people hanging about, you know, makeup people, script supervisors, just sitting in there as, uh, you know, they went through the scene. And um, it was... Uh, so how many takes did they do? I don't know. It was like probably like five or six, I'd say. Okay. Yeah, and you know they they had to do it over. I mean, not even just like, you know, doing it because oh it didn't sound right that time. But they had to you know pick up a shot here, pick up a shot there, like coming from this angle and that angle. Um. So, uh, uh that was a that was very exciting for me to see that on TV. <laughs> I gotta say, I was so happy. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, yeah, it's probably one of the best experiences of my life getting to watch a TV scene being filmed. That was, uh, you, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm just a poor boy from Vermont. I don't, <laughs> I don't know anybody. <laughs> I don't know anything. But that was the best. That was the best. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. I'm so glad that you got to experience that. I, th- I, and that's why there's no, uh, there's no pictures. Uh, in my uh, iZombie photo album of uh, the scratching posts because they had cameras and stuff in there and they, they, I couldn't actually go in there and walk around in there. Mm-hmm. So. <sighs> so anyway, uh, uh, and it's funny because that was uh, where I met Rose for the first time where I, you remember I told you I like bumped up. Mm-hmm. She, she like held out an el- elbow to me because she was, her head, her hands were full of like scripts and stuff is because uh, she was getting ready to um, uh, film the next part of the scene. So she kind of like stopped and said, hey, and, and, and kind of rubbed elbows with me instead of shaking hands. <laughs> she mm-hmm. had and stuff. But uh, uh, yeah, it was the best. And uh, yeah, I'll probably be talking about it forever. Luckily, this podcast is over, almost over. So you folks don't need to hear it over and over again. <laughs> um, <laughs> so uh, the next part of the scene is uh, Clive and Liv come in. Uh, it's so funny when this this stuff happens because you're like, oh yeah, the 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 murder of the week. <laughs> mm-hmm. Clive and Liv are in another episode of I Zombie. Every once in a while, infiltrating yeah. this episode. <laughs> <laughs> so they ask about Carol Barbara. Donnie freaks and throws a glass to the floor to trigger a vision, so she can tell, so Liv can tell him uh, who the girl is that Carol Barbara was thinking of. And it's just not working. So he just keeps throwing glasses on the floor. I know. I was like, maybe this glass. She'll have a vision and she'll know. <laughs> um, so uh, they did say that Carol had a fight with Candy. Um, so Clive and Liv go to talk to her. Oh, we don't get to hear that. It. Donnie says, you might want to knock first. <laughs> yes, right. <laughs> uh, there's a whole brothel situation going on. All right. So. We actually get a, a scene that takes place outside of New Seattle. We're in the chair room of the U.S. Joint Chiefs of Staff, and we have Major up on the big TV. And Major's like basically sitting in his Fillmore Gray's office, staring at his laptop. Um, 
And yeah, we have just 48 hours left. Major's pleading for help, and they say goodbye to him. And then the chiefs argue whether this is negotiating with terrorists, holding humans hostage. And we have General Mills, uh, <laughs> who is who is uh, who surprisingly says, "Oh, that we've got brains stockpiled. You know, maybe we should, you know, uh, get those to them. You know, maybe it's worth considering." And everybody, uh, the chairwoman there, is surprised because General Mills was actually the one that was in favor of nuking New Seattle. Mm-hmm. Do you remember? Why General Mills now has a change of heart? The daughter. The daughter, right. We haven't seen her, but we know she was kidnapped by Major and Donnie. She was brought to New Seattle. She was turned into a zombie, and that's the last we've seen of her. I wonder if she's going to show up in this season, but that's the reason if people don't remember. That's why General Mills is like, oh, we, maybe we should wait for the CDC. Uh, so, um, so we go back to uh, Brant's. In the interrogation with Blaine, bad news, frozen assets. Good news, he has an in with the judge and might be able to get him off the whole thing. Uh, Yeah. There were were several little lines that on the first view and you don't catch. But the second, (laughs) you're like, oh, that's related to that other thing. He has an in with the judge. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But he needs his retainer, which apparently is $50,000. So... um, Brant calls with with his assets frozen. He can't Blaine can't pay. Right. So Brant has Donnie. Uh, Blaine has Brant call Donnie. Ask about this fifty thousand dollars in a red bag, and Donnie says there's only forty thousand dollars. And um, Donnie says he doesn't have the other ten thousand. And Blaine ends up losing his temper, bellowing over the phone. Damn it, Donnie, get me the money. And Donnie caves, which is uh. Don't realize it now, but it's uh, this is it's not going to last for long. Blaine's power over Donnie. Mm-hmm. Um, Basio angrily storms in and is mad because Blaine's house is burned down, and she knows that he was just destroying evidence. And he's like, he has a perfect alibi. Of course, he's in jail, and mm-hmm. you know why? Automatically assume that it was somebody. It was somebody. It's like he ordered. Because he's the most hated man in Seattle. Obviously, his people would want to burn his house down. My beautiful house. <laughs> I don't know, that was very like Shatner-esque acting. <laughs> of mm-hmm. Oh, no. Uh, next chapter, you news, you lose. Uh, we have Dolly stirring up the media. 48 hours of the, brain, the brains run out. And then, of course, she does the classic, uh, you know, talking about the blue-collar workers at the plant that she knows. Like, come, you know, that's just classic. Uh, anyway, <laughs> you know what I mean? That's the classic. Uh, I'm here for the people. The very <laughs> Republican. Uh, uh, <laughs> what, what's the word where you're. Um, you don't really care. Oh, yeah, I can't think of the exactly. word. Well, you know, it's. It, 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 you don't really care. You're. You, you, you have your own. Reasons, but you're—I uh, can't think of words. The <laughs> word okay. means the word is. Um, but um, yeah, she might know a few people that work at the plant. But you know, I just love that she's gonna. That's really not why she's. Yeah, and she's doing. This. And she's not like it, it, I don't know. She's like you know, just to make people think of like, oh no, these are just regular hardworking people. They're blue collar Americans, you know. 
Like, no, these are people that she that that robbed a bunch of graves and helped uh, uh, poison the the supply for 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 a time there, you know. So, um, so we go to back to Fillmore Graves and Hobbs tells Major that the joint Joint Chiefs left a message and they basically don't negotiate with terrorists. And then, even worse, we find out Blaine made bail. I'm not quite sure where they got the ten thousand dollars from. Mm-hmm. But I was wondering that too. It happened. <laughs> so Donnie takes Blaine to the basement of his home, um, and uh, <laughs> Donnie is well. Blaine is pretty sad. This is probably rock bottom for Blaine. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Donnie is, however, very nostalgic. Where you are now. Me and Pam Hagler watched the One Tree Hill premiere and I lost my vote. <laughs> if you continue, the scream I utter will shatter the universe. <laughs> um, yes, this is, by the way, I, 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 did, I did post on, um, on our Twitter. I'll, I'll share photos, the photos that I took. Um, but I was brought to this set too. Had no idea what it was. I actually got a picture of me sitting on that couch. <laughs> and I tweeted I tweeted with that picture like basically I had no idea the history of the furniture that I was sitting on when I got this picture taken. <laughs> <sighs> All right, so uh Donnie exits and Blaine just tries to lean back, close his eyes, and envision a yacht trip to Ibiza with Blake Lively. And we have this great sound effects of like water and a woman laughing and and like birds and stuff, and then suddenly, Donnie's mom is down there to wash her bras. <laughs> oh, that was great! Oh god, you must be Donnie's friend. Uh, we go off to a different plot that uh, we may not have been thinking about, but uh, you know we got to kind of move this one along. We didn't get it last week, which was the whole. Um, Graham Moss, the, the the teacher, and you know he's he's now helping uh, Tater and Mister Brainiac. I don't know what his name is. Hancho infiltrate the Renegade headquarters for some unknown reason, and it gets even confusing, even more confusing here because so Tater gets a, a hot dog with Graham and this new girl Riley, and Riley needs to pass Renegade's test. Um, she's a zombie, but she needs to pretend that the ghost pepper shot uh, hurts her to prove that she's a human, which I don't understand why. Why does she have to prove that she's a human? Because she's one of the uh, the uh, coyotes. She, she's a volunteer to be one of the coyotes. Oh, and that's a, because all coyotes a, are one, human. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, they did, did mention that rule. Um after uh, Weevil died, or what, you know, you know his name, <laughs> Weevil. Uh, Reg, not Reagan. Reagan? <laughs> nope. <laughs> we- uh, Weevil. What was it? Deacon. Deacon? No, I don't know what it was. Duncan. Duncan? No. Nope. <laughs> Definitely not Duncan. <laughs> Logan. Logan. No. Was it Logan? <laughs> uh, something like Reagan, because it was something like. Yeah, people are tweeting me already. I dang it. Yeah, I got your anyway, tweet. I got your tweet. Yes, thank you. I appreciate anyway, that. Anyway, <laughs> this—I mean, 
even though these scenes are fine, they're pleasant. They're there's oh god, this dread of what is going, yeah. you know, to happen to this this weird guy with the wig that's got yeah. like this plate around his head, and he's so creepy and he's so evil. What is his plan? What are these? Why does he? Yeah, he's a zombie that needs to infiltrate Renegades headquarters for what? For what? And then they keep mentioning this something Bob. Oh yeah, Beanpole Bob. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. Beanpole Bob. Like what? Yeah, that's coming. Okay. That's coming later. It's a different thing. <laughs> okay. We have to go to Al's apartment for the first time. Uh, oh yes. No sooner does Al hang up with Major, saying, "Oh, I don't yeah, need your protection." Yeah, he's offering her. Uh, what do you call protective it? Custody. Protective custody. Protective mm-hmm. custody. And she's like, oh, "I'm an independent woman. Mm-hmm. I got, you know, I can." I love how the door closes in- and there's Blaine standing behind it. He's just been waiting. And Al asks what he wants, and he says, I want to scare you. And he admits wholeheartedly about killing people, and it's, and she's and he's going to kill her. But it's not going to be now. It's going to be soon. He, she wants, he wants her to spend the rest of the time in fear, knowing it's coming. And uh, she just turns right around on him. She's like, you know, like mocking him for his, his charming rascal act. And um, mm-hmm. he's, and they said, "Oh, you know, I fooled you." She was like, uh, "No, dumb. <laughs> <laughs> you sad daddy's boys are all the same. You're so gullible." And Blaine says she doesn't know him. Sorry, I had to write down all these lines because they're so good. She says, "You're another two-bit homicidal thug who thinks he's unique because deep down you're special and and you're different and you deserve admiration, like from Peyton Charles, the great love of your life. You know what she called you? Her greatest embarrassment. You're a goon, blame. That's all." In which mm. he goes full zombie mode, it springs at her, but she's already in full zombie mode herself and has a gun to his head, which I was just like, I don't know. I'm kind of rooting for Al here. Yeah. <laughs> And she dares him, you know, like, go for it. I kill you. I'm just, you know, they're going to throw me a parade. And then she asks him to, to get out. So, which makes me wonder, like, knowing the plan ahead, like, is Blaine even needed anymore? Could she have just gotten ahead, gotten away with murder? Maybe she isn't a murderer. Maybe she, maybe she's not somebody who would easily kill somebody, but. Wants to appear tough. I don't know. Why didn't she kill Blaine? Maybe they have a plan. Maybe he works into their plan. Mm. Her and Stacy. Her uncle, uncle Stacy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Maybe he works into the plan somehow. Yeah. Uh, so we go to the scratching post, and Donnie finds Blaine working in the dark. He's looking for zombie cure bitters, and Blaine reminds Donnie. And us, by the way, <laughs> that he's got a few cures left, about four. Um, and Blaine then shares with him the info about the pregnant Basio and the Freilich kids and what does that all mean. And then he breathes a sigh of relief when he finds on the laptop the list of uh, the bidders that are going to set them free. They're going to they're gonna make life easier for Blaine and Donnie. And uh, he asks about the house, and Donnie says that Tanner took care of it, and and uh, cleaning out the safe. And Tanner comes in, and he's like, "Yeah, yeah, I did it, and I cleaned out the safe, but I did get pulled over. And, uh, you know, there was some syringes in the bag. I didn't want to get caught with drugs. I would go away. 
you know, for a long time. So um, I chucked them off a bridge and nobody's going to ever find them. They're gone. He just has no idea what these syringes are for. Um, And so Blaine goes full on zombie mode and puts scissors through his head and says, strike three, monkey fighter. (laughs) Um, Yes. You know, it's at that moment, you're like, you're, you hate that Tanner's dead. Mm -hmm. You hate that Donnie has lost a friend. Because you know that, you know, you just know it's going to end badly for Blaine. And you don't want Don. You want more. You want better for Donnie. You want things to work out for Donnie. Mm-hmm. And also, it's hilarious that that monkey fighter joke comes back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was like, why am I laughing? Damn it. <laughs> and then Blaine turns on Donnie, Donnie and screams in his face. And he says, you were supposed to handle this. And then he leaves Donnie to take care of the body of his buddy. And uh, it's really sad, you know. Donnie is in a in a in a terrible place here, and uh, I think Blaine did a terrible. That was a terrible idea, of Blaine, to to take out Tanner like that because uh, it made Donnie know that realize that you know Blaine doesn't care about anybody except for uh, you know getting ahead and being being the top. Mm-hmm. So we have Tanner is gone, and um, I think it's time to uh, start the music. So we have to um, say goodbye to Tanner. Did you, did you want to say anything about Tanner? You know, as Kansas is playing. Um, Tanner, you have great hair. <laughs> uh, you've been around a while since I know, like season four. Mm. When did he come in season four? Uh, maybe three, um, two. It's been a while. Yeah, it's been, it's been a while. We, yeah. We, we would have liked to have known you better. Yeah. And uh, you were capable. You were capable, Tanner. But only so capable, according to Blaine. <laughs> I just have to say, Tanner, you, you simple, innocent guy. You, you were barely a grown-up. In fact, I think you were one of Major's kids originally from Helton Shelter, so in a way it was almost your destiny to be murdered by Blaine. Um, you peddled Utopium and sold it to Major and Donnie and... Remember the time that you jammed with Donnie to Oasis on the bar? That was awesome. <laughs> and uh, heck, it was your it was your rage out uh, that showed Vazio that zombies were real. And um, I gotta say, we love you, Tanner. We you poor gentle spirit. We hope you're partying in zombie heaven. Bye. Rest in peace. Okay, <laughs> let's go on to the next chapter. Uh, Bourbon's greet. And I guess that's a Bourbon Street joke. Okay. Nolens. Uh-huh. Stacy Boss has his feet up and gloats about how Dolly's fear-mongering is going to shut Fillmore Graves down. And Donnie tells him to get his feet off his desk. And he's just not in the mood. And Stacy notices the blood stains and Donnie says it's a friend. 
And uh, Donnie wishes that they could go back to the old days of Utopium dealing. And Stacy says that Beanpole Bob made the best stuff. He was a Da Vinci of Utopium. Um, unfortunately, his his brain is like fried now. You know. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking we're going to see Beanpole Bob again. What do you think? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think we're going to find out a lot more about Beanpole Bob. Mm-hmm. Perhaps he was the one that created the Tainted Utopium. Mm-hmm. I mean, that seems like. I mean, I love I love the full circle stuff that uh, the show is doing, and this this smells really a lot of full circle. You know, um, I I don't know. I I've actually even got a like. That's not even that's not even a big theory. I I've got an even bigger theory. What's that? We've met Beanpole Bob already. What's the biggest beanpole on this show that you've seen? <laughs> I, I don't know. Uh, I can't think of anybody. New Seattle Council member Zed. Kareem oh. Abdul-Jabbar is the biggest oh. beanpole in the show. <laughs> now, I, I obviously, his brain isn't fried. Maybe no. he's gotten, you know, ever since the, the wall went up, he's reinvented himself, you know? And maybe he doesn't sell Utopium anymore. Maybe he got turned into a zombie and he's maybe, since his name is Zed, how amazing would it be that he is like one of the original zombies, one of the original people that got turned into a zombie. And uh, ever since then, you know, um, he had to reinvent himself and become um, high in power and, and work for zombies. I don't know. Beanpole Bob. Beanpole means tall person. Tall and skinny. Tall and skinny. Which Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is? Because I kept thinking, yeah, I kept thinking the guy with the chrome dome, with the wig, was, was, but he's not tall and skinny. Nope. So I think I'm going to be right, and I will collect all my uh, podcast points uh, when it happens. Okay. You guys all heard it here first. Um, Stacy is surprised to hear Donnie say screw Blaine and he's also really happy. Um, so we go to the initiation. R- Riley is there and she's she gets Liv's attention when she says she loves kids. And Liv gets very interested in making uh, finding her match. <laughs> <laughs> What's funny is when she stands by her record for setting Ravi and Peyton up. <laughs> Which Robbie's just like, oh, no, 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 no. You're not taking credit for that. <laughs> you tried to keep because us apart. She, you tried to keep us apart. Oh, that was just my plan to make you work harder to get together. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Riley passes uh, the initiation. They they do shots. Ravi demands his medicine. <laughs> that was great. He takes the bottle uh, because there's only four glasses and nearly has a heart attack after he drinks. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Riley. Yeah, he was like shivering. <laughs> yeah. I, I've had shots like that before. Oh. Um, Riley mildly reacts and Liv says, oh, they had to be sure. So, uh, yeah, I was confused about that, but I, I, I like that you remembered uh, they, they oh, yeah, have human coyotes. Yeah. So, um, we go to the news and Major proposes rationing. And Dolly says that the zombies are coming after us as soon as the brains run out. More fear mongering. And uh, Hobbs tells Major about Blaine being uh, cut out of the deal 
you know, he's heard through the bug about that last conversation with Stacy and Donnie. Surprised there's no mention of the murder, though. Um, because, I don't know, Tanner, uh, you know, I'm not sure if we could be reminded of this or people are going to remember, but when Major was at, at the bottom and, and taking Utopium, he bought it from Tanner, who recognized Major as a guy that worked at Health and Shelter and it was a place that he went to. So I would think that hearing the fact that Blaine murdered another person that was originally from Health and Shelter would kind of set Major off, you know? Yeah. Yes. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it seems like he would, he should remember him. Yeah. Or, or it should make a difference to him. Mm-hmm. But Hobbs doesn't even mention that there was a murder. I mean, audio wise, you would hear a bit, a bit of a ruckus. And uh, I don't know if you could, nobody actually says, you killed him, you know? <laughs> um, but I'm sure if you overheard that, you know, if, if I was Hobbs, I'd be like, well, what just happened there? You know? I don't know. Um, maybe it's to come later. Maybe, yeah. Uh, so Al returns back to her apartment and she has another surprise guest, Uncle Stacy, <laughs> who has brought her the brain of a Tibetan monk who has said to have reached Nirvana. And this is her prize for clearing Blaine off the board. And um, says the plan is on track. Fillmore Graves is about to fo- fold, and they're about to take charge of the whole brain operation and count the money. So um, I love, 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 love that Mr. Boss is um, the mastermind behind all this stuff because I don't know he's been too, you know, put in his place by Blaine, you know, for too long. Where he was uh, somebody to be feared when we first met him in that barber shop, you know. He's talking about like murdering somebody over Skype. That was scary stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, I, you know, I, I'm so glad that Mr. Boss is, his brain is working again. You know, <laughs> I don't know. He's, he's conniving. Um, so major has his own ideas about, uh, helping with the whole Dolly operation. He goes to the, uh, fish truck and, uh, Oh my God. And heckles her for her dead fish for live people shirt. <laughs> And she says, we don't serve your kind. And he reminds her he can shut her down for discrimination. And she ends up serving him like one little tiny fish fry with a couple of fries. Mm. And Major... And charges like 10 feet. Nine, 50. 9.50, right. And, uh, which I think is actually probably a price you would get for a fish fry in Seattle coming out of a truck. Um, Major, I love the Major waking and then calling in his troops and uh, he says, they do serve zombies here. Who's hungry? And all the humans flee and uh, Dolly calls them abominations. But it turns out that one of the soldiers there, his name is Murphy, is Dolly's disowned son Mm. who warns Major not to underestimate his mom. Because she hates zombies more than she loves her own child. Right. Uh, which is, that's great. I'm glad we got a little bit more. Yeah. Uh, story. What's going on? Personal with her. details. Yeah. Yeah. Character details. Uh, we go to the next chapter. Crazy and live. Robbie can't believe live is ma- setting major up with Riley. Um, she's, uh, she says that Riley's smart, compassionate, wants to make the world better, loves children, easy on the eyes. And Robbie's like, oh, if only there was a zombie version of that. 
and she says, and then she says, well, uh, <laughs> he's already shown that he could go without sex for love. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's so funny. This was a part of the teaser for the previous week. You know what, what I read as the description. I was like, what's this about? You know, Liv is going to set major up and it, as if that was like, even an, uh, a minor part like it, of the episode. It wasn't. Uh, yeah. Like it was going to be more of a story. Yeah. And, uh, Major just comes in and is like, oh, it's a brain. Uh, no, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, Ravi mentions that he'd put a ring on her if she had some – had access to tainted utopium. And Major then mentions Beanpole Bob. And so – I love that. Uh, I'm like, okay, here we go. This is we're gonna taste of the Utopians coming back. It's coming. Um, so uh, Ravi has a package and uh, opens it, and he's got night vision goggles. And I guess he had originally had a plan to sneak into Blaine's house on Cat Burglar Brain and steal back his cures. But you know, it's too bad it burned down. <laughs> when I first watched this scene, I was like, "Oh wait, are they implying that he stole the cures before Tanner mm-hmm. burned the place down?" But the second watch, I was like, "Oh, okay, they're just—they're not saying it." But he's not saying that he didn't make it in time. But I, since the night vision goggles are just arriving, he definitely didn't make it in time. Um, so Robbie talks about how great Euphrates is, and Major gets an idea, and this is where I've. Again, factor myself into the episode. I want to let you know when mm-hmm. when I visited the set. I also obviously visited this set, right, the Major and Ravi House, and I had a, a seat at the Breakfast Nook and got my picture taken. <gasps> no, and the Breakfast Nook. Oh yeah, yeah. And I got up and I didn't realize I had a piece of Euphrates packing tape on me. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it was stuck to my shirt I was, And I handed it back to Haley And I was like, oh, I'm sorry, I probably shouldn't have this It's probably a part of your props In this scene, in this scene Ravi is opening up a package from Euphrates and, and cutting the package open So that must have been an extra piece of tape For the multiple takes that they have Of Ravi opening this package Yeah So <laughs> I almost wish I got a piece I'm like, can I just keep this piece of tape? But <laughs> That says Euphrates on it, but yeah, you should just stuck it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, that's. I was also thinking to myself, like, why didn't I? Have, you know, obviously, I'm sure Haley wouldn't have been, you know, my, uh, been able to just like, like, oh yeah, sure, go ahead and take something from the set. <laughs> you know, because they had like mm-hmm. seven more episodes to shoot. But uh, I wish I asked. <laughs> <laughs> Can I have this copy of Love Actually that's in Major and Ravi's collection for some reason? <laughs> Uh, like it just showed to people like, look, seriously, it's from a TV show. It was like underneath the TV stand. You couldn't really see it. Um, all right. So uh, the next day, Major meets up with Tigress, which uh, I love that they mentioned him before. Al Bronson said that she did a profile of him in the uh, Bluster magazine. And it's really funny because his name is Tigress and he works for Euphrates. Um, mm-hmm. And we actually see his magazine cover for Bluster as uh, Major and Ravi, or Major and Ravi, Major and Ty, are walking through his office. And his full name is Tyler Griss. Ah, yeah. But uh, Ty- so he's like Jeff Bezos. <laughs> yeah. If if Jeff Bezos was a philanthropist, yeah. And he's like, I have no idea where to start 
where to even begin with smuggling brains? And Major's like, it doesn't matter at all, you know? Mm, I got a plan. Got a plan. Major's got a plan. So we go back to the scratching post, and um, Donnie is coming up with names for the brothel, Pale Face McGee's, uh, the Corpse Pride, Cocktails and Nightmares, and uh, Candy suggests Cold Cocks. And Donnie says, why? Because of all the fights? <laughs> Which I thought was joke of the episode, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> uh, Liv and Clive come in to talk to Candy. Liv gets a flash of a shoulder skull tattoo. And Donnie grins and just like fantasizes. She says, she's got a tattoo. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He like, oh, so... Oh, yeah. Okay, I'm like imagining this person. Mm-hmm. So I have a prediction. Uh huh. Donnie's going to find this girl. It's not just this episode. Yes. She's going to. I think so. She's yeah. Her just like Beanpo Bob. They're coming. Mm-hmm. Um. I think we already seen her. Do you think she was the girl at the the very first episode? The very first episode. Of the season. What girl is that? In the convenience store. Oh, that would be interesting. No, I thought she might be Riley. The the undercover oh. coyote. <laughs> oh. <clears throat> See, I was thinking Riley would be too old. Hmm. Interesting. Well, I'm thinking young. Donnie's old enough to have lost his virginity um, at the One Tree yeah. Hill premiere. <laughs> so that makes him super old. <laughs> Um, I'm just going to also say that um, Blaine is totally going to murder her. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's totally going to happen. Definitely. <laughs> All right. Uh, so uh, we go to the interrogation. Clive and Liv have got their suspect. It's the groom's mother, of course, because she's mad that her son got set up with a zombie by this Carol Barbara. So Clive... Doesn't care. He darts out of the room when he sees Bosio's looking kind of in distress. And we have this nice, cute Bosio moment where, um, you know, he wants to help her. Woman, I've got you. (laughs) (laughs) And he was just like, wants wants to take her to the doctor and then take her home. And it's it's super sweet. And we see uh, Liv's. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, uh, Bosio's like, yeah, that's super dorky. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he tries saying it again and again to. She's like, yep, I'm sure. That's dorky. <laughs> and we see in the ter- interrogation room, Liv's heart is like soaring as she's watching <laughs> Clive and Bazio and how beautiful they are together. <laughs> and poor pathetic Mrs. Schwartz wants to have her moment in the episode where she confesses. And Liv's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just write it down. In the- <laughs> 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 All right. We go to, I believe this is the last chapter of the episode. Uh, Royally Flushed. Where Stacy waits with Donnie at the scratching post. Any moment, Major is going to cave. But then Candy comes up and shows them a photo of a Euphrates billboard with Tigress handing a brain tube to a zombie kid. And uh, they immediately go and visit Major, who tells them how Euphrates is handling everything, even including a brain donor card in every one of their packages. And it's all for 90% of Blaine's deal. And Donnie's like, fine, we'll do it for 80%. So 
that obviously was a major bluff, right? A major bluff. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. Tide had no idea how to handle brain smuggling. But it was an, it was the, the billboards were enough to uh, make it look like they were taking over. And Major says they're leaving the billboards because they need a new face on the business. So, I, yeah, it's all connected to the to the PR thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that company, it's so well regarded that it would give it would make things look better mm-hmm. for the town. And uh, I love how the poker theme of this episode ends as they walk out of the office uh, and Major's singing the gambler to himself. <laughs> yeah, that's great. <laughs> But I, I lo- so a little, little by little, we are getting a musical. Robbie sang last week. <laughs> yeah, Major's mumbling the gambler to himself. Yeah, yep. it's just—it's almost like a musical. Uh-huh. Yeah, somebody from YouTube string all that stuff, all this stuff together, so we can have a full musical. Um, Blaine visits the Scratching Post, which has now been renamed to Donnie Be Goods, and <laughs> Donnie says it's it's. He's poisoned. He, they need a new face on the scratching post. Blaine, if you show up, you get to stay in the back, hang out with the girls. You, we cannot r- risk our only remaining source of income, which Blaine is surprised because, you know, what about the brain business? And Donnie says they're out of the brain business. So Donnie is also playing some cards here, using the fact that Euphrates is the new face of the brain business, but not actually mm-hmm. handling the smuggling. But Donnie doesn't need to tell uh, Blaine this, that Donnie is still the man in charge of the, the brain smuggling. It's just Euphrates is uh, like a figurehead. Mm-hmm. I think that was genius. Brilliant. Oh, yeah. Nice job, Donnie. And then Donnie really, you know, is disappointed in Blaine. He, I don't know. He doesn't like heckle him. He's just like disappointed. He's like, you, you worked over like a rented mule. Why did you have to keep the mask? That's true. Mm-hmm. Why did he have to keep the mask? It's like a freaking trophy and he walks out and Blaine mutters that Donnie may be out of the brain business but he's still in it and uh, it's so funny like all this stuff happens in the last few minutes of the episode so so to the tunes of afternoon delight we go to (laughs) either Brant's house or the judge's house I'm I'm assuming this is Brant's house because why would Blaine know where the judge lives I don't know um and yeah, Brant is in session in the judge's chambers, um, and Blaine says he really does go the extra mile. This is the judge that's handling Blaine's case. So uh, it's good that oh, this is what he had a the in with. Mm-hmm. And in with. <laughs> and in. And so Blaine says he just needs a contract drawn up. He's he's good for it. Um. And so. He goes to his college dorm room. The girl that opens the door screams. Because he's a monster. She opens the door and there's a monster. There's a monster outside. And uh, Darcy Bennett, you know, realizes what Blaine's here for. And Blaine offers Darcy a half a million dollars to Darcy's family for her brain, her frailic brain. She's much like Isabel. She's going to die soon, you know. Mm-hmm. So She got, she got a $50,000 offer. Right. Before. But now it's five hundred thousand. Um, we go to the police station, and Liv is eating a Euphrates brain tube. Again, if anybody's confused, these are Donnie smuggled brains in Euphrates brain tubes because Euphrates mm. is the new face 
I was confused by this at first, so that's why I'm just like trying to emphasize this. Um, Basio is now on bed rest, and we now have acting lieutenant Babino in charge of the the, the uh, of homicide. Unloads his name tag and his red stapler on his desk on her desk, and uh, Liv asks uh, for a raise, and then a gun, and then a squad car, and then diplomatic immunity. <laughs> <laughs> Very cute. Very cute. Cute, cute, cute. And has nothing to do with the episode. Well, other than I, I guess it does have to do that with that he's the acting lieutenant, mm-hmm. and that uh, she's like, "Oh, I can get stuff now." I'm assuming gotta, Jessica I, Harmon is needed for uh, work on the 100. The <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I'm sad. Sad that Bazio might not be as, as much a part of the last few episodes. Maybe she'll show back up, but usually you put a TV character on bed rest when you know that. <laughs> <laughs> You're not going to use them for a while. I don't know. Um, but yeah, it's so cool to see like Clive now at the top of the department. You know where he was like the laughing stock in the first season. You know now he is—he's the guy in charge. Mm. Not the laughing stock of the audience. No, uh, but uh, the laughing stock of the department. Right. Yeah. Um. So Blaine brings Darcy to this rich buyer. And the guy, and Blaine says that, you know, you can wait for her to expire or I could expedite the process for a fee. Like he's totally okay with murdering kids still. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the buyer's like, ah, maybe I'll wait, you know. And so we go to this final voiceover where Blaine says, so am I a monster? Maybe I am. Because sometimes they don't leave me any choice. Ah. And what an amazing final shot with Blaine looking over the city, standing next to this pool, and then you see into the pool like a dark reflection of Blaine. That's really, really well done. Um, and uh, it says so much, you know, it's the monster underneath, you know, it's the businessman, business up, up top, <laughs> monster <laughs> underneath, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, it's just. Uh, I, I I was uh, really happy about this episode. It's so different and so so cool, and to to see things from Blaine's point of view and Donnie. Spent a lot of time with Donnie as well. Um, it might not have been something I was definitely would have asked for, but because um, uh, I like to see Liv being the main star of the show. But I think this was a great one-off that really uh, pushed things along a lot. I thought that there was a lot here. Like, a lot of times, like, I don't know, in the early seasons, the episodes would be real thin. Yeah. This was not a thin episode. This was very thick, packed with lots of... Beefy. (laughs) Beefy. Like a good stew. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, yeah, that's the episode, The Scratch Maker. Um, We should go to some feedback. Okay. All right, so first up, we have some thoughts from the users of TV Time, where you can find our podcast streaming under the iZombie section. Uh, we have a few comments here. Etharp93 says, Am I the only one who thought it was adorable how Donnie was trying so hard to trigger Liv's vision to find a girl? <laughs> and uh, Dapo is also uh, similarly uh, interested in that plot, saying, The episode finished, and we still don't know who was meant to be a match for Donnie. Poor guy. I hope he finds whoever she is. Uh, Mint Chalk Dublin says matchmaker Liv is pushing Major away into the arms of a woman she just met 
Ravi isn't having it, and neither am I. <laughs> and uh, Lauren says, Uncle Stacy, who saw that coming? I agree. I agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it was surprising that Al had more than one motivation. You know, you just thought it was the doing the story. Yeah. It was this. I mean, she did do the story. She, she does work for Buster. Yeah. She did. She did do the story on Tigris. Mm-hmm. Tigris. Tigris. <laughs> Definitely a normal but, name. Uh, and also, yes, this matchmaker thing. It seems very old-fashioned. Mm, which yeah. you know, the woman was like, like I said, a boomer. But <laughs> <laughs> like I don't know, people now we're not. We just don't we society we don't push things push people together anymore, I guess. I don't know. I I've been married for eighty four years. I don't know about you. I know. I don't know like I don't know single people. <laughs> <laughs> and even if I did, I wouldn't like assume they would be perfect together. <laughs> yeah. Uh all right. Well, uh let's get to our emails. We have a first we have a voicemail from Jeff. Oops. This is Jeff X-Force 11 leaving my feedback for the Scratch Maker. So I thought this episode was definitely a change, and I liked the little change from the norm. I liked the kind of Blaine-centric narration at the beginning and the voiceover. I posted in the Facebook group, but yes, it did remind me of the Emperor's New Groove where Blaine talking about this was about him. And I enjoyed kind of getting to see the story from his point of view, although it's it's hard not having more live involvement. But I think Malcolm did a great job in directing this episode. I enjoyed kind of the twist that we got with just how involved Mr. Boss was in Blaine's takedown and how Al was working for him as his niece kind of... Uh, disguised and hidden but I really enjoyed the episode a whole lot. I thought it was a good turn of events. Gave us a lot of information about the zombie cure, both the the syringes and the and the Freilich kids. So I think it moved the plot along really well and I liked the episode even though we didn't get as much live as I would have liked, especially on Matchmaker Brain. And poor Donnie didn't even get a name from the Matchmaker Brain. Alright, X-Force 11 out. <laughs> Thanks, Jeff. Thanks, Jeff. Alright, you want me to read Dave? Sure. Robin Dave just came Joe. in under the clock there. Yeah. <laughs> just... 10 minutes ago. Once again, we had another very busy episode. I had to go back and rewatch this one multiple times to catch it all. Number one, it is finally good to see Blaine being faced with the consequences of his past. Will it stick? Who knows? Nope. I could see (laughs) the final episode somehow. Slippery Blaine finding his way clear of all of this, but I think we all want our favorite child murderer to face his past crimes. Blaine continues to scheme and plot, messing with the the sick kids now. Mm -hmm. He just never stops trying to play the game and win. I will give Blaine credit for inventiveness and resourcefulness. Every time time his plans fail, he has uh, something new. Number two, R.I.P. Tanner and the Cures. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're just... I was wondering if they were going to make an attempt to fish the cures out of the water. No, Tanner said 
They're never going to find gone. them. They're, gonna, they're gone, and Blaine they made no attempt at making Tanner try to find them. So I'm just, mm-hmm. yeah. Number three, it is great to see Mr. Boss back in the game, such a great character. And seeing that Al has been working with him this whole time, I didn't see that coming at all. They had a great plan, but somehow Major outmaneuvered them. Well played, Major, but I don't for a second think Mr. Boss is just going to go quietly away. Oh, that's a good point. Mm, nope. He's sinister. He's devious and evil. He's already working on another plan. I can just see it. Mm-hmm. Number four, leaving the spy pen behind. Nice touch and great intel. Major is not a as clueless of a leader as the beginning of the season was leading us to feel. Right. Uh, number f- uh-oh, two number fours. <laughs> Second number four. 4B. It was good to check in with the outside world a bit. I think the show needs uh, needed this a bit more last season. Some of the military sure are itching to make a crater out of Seattle. Number five. And finally, Liv and her renegade group. The drinking, the spiked drink was a nice touch, but Liv is way too trusting in this. Anyway, great work directing Malcolm. Good to see that back injury from last episode did not last and you didn't need to phone in your performance this week (laughs) dave (laughs) nice dave all right let me see i gotta read maddie's maddie says hello robin and steph well that was quite the birthday gift wasn't it yes this episode aired on my birthday it was nice um she says, an action-packed episode focused on the villain we love to hate and the henchman we kind of always have a soft spot for. I mean, how couldn't we? Bryce Hodgson is hilarious. I have to say that this particular episode touched on so many subjects that before I knew it, the episode was over. I'll start with the biggest revelation of the night. Al is Mr. Boss's niece. I fully expected her to be a loved one to someone Blaine killed. But it makes sense now how she's got rules of her own, just like Mr. Boss. She might not be everyone's favorite new character, but watching someone give Blaine a dose of his own medicine was pretty awesome. Sadly, I feel like we might not see her for much longer. I agree. She is going to die. (laughs) It was nice to see Clive and Major get a couple of wins this episode. Clive becoming a lieutenant was one of my predictions for season five, and I cannot be the only one who was like, same girl, same, when Liv looked (laughs) at Clive and Bazio lovingly. (laughs) Clive is truly the perfect man. We should get her a hashtag Bosno Endgame shirt. (laughs) Uh, Our favorite commander had a lot going on this episode, and he planned accordingly. Major hasn't made the best decisions throughout the show, but if there is anything we love about him, it is that he's never lost his heart. I'll take these small wins before everything goes to hell. Lastly, Blaine's speech about humanity giving him no other choice but be a monster reminded me so much of the way some Blaine apologists try to justify his actions. But the truth is that he is a monster by choice. He chose to kill those runaway kids for money. He chose to steal the cures for money. Almost everything he does is for the money. He's got a heat in his personality. He wants the pleasure minus the pain. And he will do anything in his power to get the pleasure that money gives him. That's how he's been written since day one. But a couple of people fell for the amnesiac anti-hero mask. And it shows. (laughs) I feel like that is what makes him a complex villain. And redemption doesn't work for those kinds of villains. Agreed. Anyway, Malcolm Goodwin deserves all the awards for the incredible shots in this episode. Hopefully we'll get to see another one of his projects soon. 
Also, shout out to Bob Dearden for giving me a small shout out last episode. And shout out to you guys for being so forking awesome. Love, Maddie. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Maddie. Uh, got one more I can read Efrix. Yes. Hey, guys. Another episode, another ton of stuff to process. Congrats to Malcolm Goodwin on directing this thing. Between all the characters and locations, this could not have been easy to manage. And there was pretty nifty camera work being done, mm. particularly in the opening scenes and transitions. Between Blaine, Al, and Stone, we got a reminder that there are some really nice houses in Seattle, Vancouver. <laughs> Wish I could afford any of them. Yep. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I want to go visit. I want to. Maybe we could Airbnb one of those things. Oh yeah, it was pretty cool seeing an episode use old use the old voiceovers and interior monologue techniques for a different character. Blaine's a narcissistic, psychopathic, murderous, self pitying, amoral scumbag. <laughs> But he's an interesting narcissistic, <laughs> psychopathic, murderous, self pitying, amoral scumbag. And it's fun getting to see things from his vantage point. Yes. The the brain murder of the week may have been given the short end of the stick, but the scenes yeah, because it don't they don't it doesn't matter. Who cares? Nobody cares. Liv didn't even care. Only the CW. <laughs> that's that's my theory. Uh where was I at? Where was I at? The I brain lost my place. Murder, but the scene The brain slash murder of the week may have been given uh, the short end of the stick, but the scenes with Donnie trying to trigger uh, matchmaker vision was what the writers on the show do best. Hmm. It's funny, a little sad, and makes sense only in the wacky reality of the show. Just terrific, and Bryce Hodgson was great as always. Yeah, I like. I enjoyed watching him. He's torn between, you know, do I pay attention to the to the police that are here to interview me, yeah. or do I? You know, he's just so torn. Um, where am I at? Good to see some old friends back in Mr. Boss and Brant Stone. I didn't really need a reminder of Stone's fantasy preferences. <laughs> <laughs> of a little TMI is a small price to pay for more Ken Marino screen time. Was Major's pin bug a Veronica Mars callback? I was half expecting Donnie to figure it out and start singing Fillmore Graves. I'm watching you. Into <laughs> Fillmore Graves. I'm watching I'm you. Watching you. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of Major, it's nice to see him getting a win for once. Nice bit of po- politicking, diplomacy, bluffing on his part. I don't think it's going to last, but he certainly earned a moment or two of smugness. <laughs> The CEO of Euphrates is named Tigris, of course. <laughs> the, the world might be falling apart, but that doesn't mean you can't shoehorn yet another pun into the show. <laughs> Considering Blaine's notoriety, I'm sure how easily... Not sure. I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm not sure how easily he's going to be able to track down Freilich kids and their families. Also, don't Freilich brains need to be treated with a special Ravi sauce in order to become a cure? Do they? Mm. Wait, 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 wait. I think so. Special Robbie you, sauce? You can't just eat a... No, I don't think so. Was there something that was added so it's just the Freilich brain? No, no, yeah. It was just her brain. I mean, they did experiments okay. on her, but they didn't do anything to alter her brain. Um, okay. I mean, you know, it was hypothesized in the beginning um, the reason why she wasn't it, able to it be... Was tra- what? It was what? You know, it was theorized, you know, at the beginning... 
how Liv couldn't turn Isabel into a zombie because she's had all these different uh, tests done on her because she is a victim of Freilich brains. But, um, you know, the tests of Ravi and uh, now Dr. Collier uh, say that, uh, you know, the science science of the science means that it's the Freilich brain, um, that Freilich kid's brain is uh, what actually is the, the cure. Hashtag science. Okay. Uh, this seems like a pretty... Okay, so he's saying the Freilich brain... The, he's questioning if the Freilich brains need anything added right. to it to make it a cure. This seems like a pretty weak plot device, but I'll give the writers a chance to prove me wrong. I think what's going to happen is, you know, there's going to be a threat of all these kids being hunted down by Blaine, but um, we're going to meet Beanpole Bob, and Beanpole Bob is going to help us get the tainted utopium, which will then... Uh, help Robbie make a whole batch of never-ending cures that will um, give people the opportunity of, um, uh, of of choosing whether they want to stay a zombie or become a human. Thus, devaluating devaluing the kids' frailty brains. Right. Okay, fan theory. I'm assuming that the dealer named Bean Pope that Donnie and Mr. Boss were discussing is none other than New Boss. Mm. So he's saying Chrome Dome. Right. Uh, Considering his... It's just the name Beanpole kind of throws me off. But they did mention that his brain was fried, which makes me think, yeah, that dude, you know, Chrome Dome was uh, acting pretty crazy, you know? Mm -hmm. So it might make sense. And he was sniffing Utopium. I I just... Why call him Beanpole? I don't get it. (laughs) But go ahead. Yeah. Uh, maybe there's more to. There's some sort of pun reason. Twist. There's a reason yeah. that involves a pun. That is why he's called Beanpole. Yeah. Uh, considering his facility with Utopium. Oh, oh, you know he was snorting the Utopium mm-hmm. in the van. Yep. Uh, I'm wondering if it perhaps he knows how to make the tainted boat party batch that started this whole mess in the first place. Maybe he's the key to getting a mass-produced cure. Assuming that the Renegade's operation survives his infiltration in the Romeros. Yeah, he's going to have them over a barrel, I think, in the next half of the season. I think that's what's going to happen. And, you know, being a believer that zombies are the superior race, I'm not sure if he's going to be very compliant in making t- new, t- new tainted utopium. Yeah. As, you know, as Kareem Abdul-Jabbar might be. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Efrix uh, continues. I guess, Bazio, I guess that Bazio going on bed rest means that we're going to go a while without seeing Jessica Harmon on screen. Mm. Just as long as we see her back before the finale, I need my Bazzino. Bazzino. That's it for now. All the best, Efrex. Thanks, Efrex. Thanks, Efrex. Some good stuff to think about there. Um, let's see what we have on the old Facebook. I know Jeff mentioned that he left that. He left a little kind of like a meme uh, he made uh, implying that, you know, Hearing the story from Blaine's point of view is much like the Emperor's New Groove. Um, I've I've not seen that movie, but I understand. It's I know fun. I haven't either. <laughs> he, uh, uh, he must be younger than us. Uh, James says I like this episode a lot, and I'll be darned if I can say anything. Sorry, sorry. I'll be darned if I can say exactly why, other than Blaine getting the short straw over and over and over was fun. If I had to guess, this beanpole character will turn out to be the one who cut the boat part of Utopium, so I guess the end is in sight. And Josh says, you can never have too much Blaine. This episode was delighted. 
delightful. Uh, Alice being Mr. Boss's niece was surprising. This episode felt like a Breaking Bad episode. Blaine equals Walter White. Donnie equals Jesse. One of my favorites this season. And maybe the whole series. Yeah, for sure. And that's all our feedback. Thank you so much to all our uh, folks that send in feedback weekly. Um, if you want to send in feedback, it's izombiepodcast at gmail.com. Um, join our feedbackers. I mean, this is the final season. This is the last time you can get your word in on um, your thoughts on iZombie and how, how the final season has been. Um, so so uh, keep them coming, and thank you, everybody, for listening. So let's move on to next time on iZombie. Our next episode is called Filleted to Rest, and here is the promo. At least it's not a gross one. More like somebody wanted her to go. He gets it. Who didn't fantasize about offing that lady? Total nightmare. Did you fantasize about it? Oh, yeah. Not like that, though. More a machete thing. Oh. I, Zombie. Final season continues Thursday, 8, 7 Central on The CW. That was the promo of Filleted to Rest. That is written by a friend of the podcast, Chelsea Catalanato, and uh, directed by Michael Fields. Really hoping we get Chelsea on the show again. Uh, she was a lot of fun to talk to last time. Um, the So is this a celebrity chef episode or a foodie? I'm thinking, okay, so, so the, the description is uh, Bon Appetit. Uh, while investigating the murder of Eleanor Barba, a chef at a high-end restaurant, Liv, consumes her brain and becomes an unrelenting perfectionist who knows just how to break a person to their very core. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, Major is on a mission to find out who is betraying the commander. And uh, that's it. That's, 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 that's the entire thing. Hmm. Who is betraying the commander? You mean betraying him? Mm-hmm. Okay. Why, why would they word it that way? Uh, I don't know. The answer is Hobbs. It is weird, Obviously, it's Hobbs. I knew what it means. It's always Hobbs. Hobbs is Hobbs is not, uh, definitely not to be trusted. I mean, now that Enzo is uh, on ice, they're, they're definitely talking about Hobbs. So, so it's going to be good. I really, I love, I love an ep- I love a brain where Liv is like intense and in people's faces, and uh, <laughs> I'm, I really hope it's going to be like that. And again, you're going to hear me um, wax nostalgic about me visiting the set of iZombie. Um, because I happened to visit uh, right as they were ending one episode and going into another episode. So, um, uh, oh, that's why they were in a restaurant. Yes, yes, I visited the restaurant and uh, it didn't stay there very long. But I got to meet, I got to meet Liv and or excuse me, Rose and Malcolm and uh, Raul um, in person, and uh, uh, Chelsea Catalano was there as well. So, um, yeah, hoping we get her back on the show. Um, but I, I think this does it for this episode of the iZombie podcast. Uh, Steph, did you need anything else? Could you set up a podcasting studio for me with a fancy microphone and a mixing board? No. How about an iMac with all my favorite programs loaded onto it? No. Hamilton tickets. I'm sorry, but I, I don't think... Uh, how about you figure out how we could monetize the podcast? Uh, HelloFresh sponsorship? Um, it's a little late for that. Thank you for listening to the iZombie Podcast with Robin and Steph. Obligatory contact info in three, two, one, go. Send in your feedback to iZombiePodcast at gmail.com. All of our contact info is on our website, iZombiePodcast.com. You can follow Steph on Twitter at Steph Smith. 
You can follow Robin at El Robin Yarrow. Our podcast logo is designed by D. Sheehan. You can find her work at Behance.net slash D. Sheehan. Check out our other podcasts. You can listen to us binge watch through great shows like Dawson's Creek, Smallville, Veronica Mars, and When I Zombie Ends, Gilmore Girls. Just subscribe to We Don't Want to Wait on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to check out TV Time. If you want to join a global community of TV watchers where our podcast, among others, is currently streaming, download the TV Time app today. Go to tvtime.com for more details. Please leave us a five-star review on iTunes. We do this in our spare time, so your ratings and reviews are much appreciated. And the only payment we ask are your kind words. And make sure it's on the correct feed. We are the iZombie Podcast with Robin and Seth. And we're done. You think anyone's still listening? Oh, they totally are. Bye, zombie. Live forever! 